verses 16 on. 16 to 21. Thank you, Jesus. My Father, we are grateful to you this morning as we look into God's Word. We pray that you would release your grace and anointing in this place that will make the proclamation of God's Word effective. In Jesus' name, we bind every resistance to the preaching of God's Word. Every critical spirit be stilled in the name of Jesus, for Christ and for His glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. We continue with our theme, You Got Help. And we are looking into the subtitle. We are talking about the war that is waged within each and every one of our lives. Praise God. And we want to come to the conclusion and ask ourselves, who is winning the battle that's going on on the inside? Who is winning the battle that's going on the inside. And it is our prayer as we look into God's word that we will come to the conclusion and the understanding as to who is winning the battle on the inside. Turn to your neighbor and ask your neighbor, neighbor, who is winning the battle on the inside? Amen. It is our prayer that we will find out not to condemn ourselves, but to lean on the resources that the Lord has already provided so that we will come out as victorious people. Praise the Lord. The conflict between the flesh and the spirit is relentless. It keeps going on and on. It is intense at times. And one of the greatest dangers Christians face in their life is when they are at ease, when they are complacent, when they are just leaning on without any concern about the battle that is being waged, raging on the inside. When we come to the conclusion and we feel that we are invincible, that we feel it is okay, we feel that we are immune to all these hurdles and the challenges and the pressures that come upon us from the inside and on the outside. That's when we need to take extra careful lest the enemy bring us down. No Christian is super strong in himself. 
that he can take lightly to the power of the old nature that rages within. At the same time, no Christian should ever think that he is at the mercy of the flesh, that the tyranny of flesh over the spirit is so strong that he will need hopeless and helpless and helpless in a situation. But the Bible gives us the assurance if we yield ourselves to the spirit, we can overcome the flesh. And that is what we want to look as we look into the scriptures so that we are brought to awareness that we are brought to our understanding. God has done everything for us on our behalf so that we will be victorious in our Christian life. Praise the Lord. Amen. So often we find ourselves in that particular predicament. Praise God. When there is a test after test, as we experience the raging of flesh on the inside. Praise God. The flesh, the natural man. Paul says, what naturally comes out of the natural man? If the spirit within us is at ease under sin. Listen to me carefully, church. If the spirit within us is at ease within under sin, then we need to ask ourselves what kind of a spirit it is. Praise God. Shall I repeat it again? If the spirit within us is at ease with sin, if the spirit within us is at home with sin, if the spirit within us is comfortable with sin, we need to ask ourselves what kind of a spirit it is. Praise God. The dove trembles. The dove trembles even at the sight of a feather of a hawk. Dove is a symbol of Holy Spirit in the scripture. The dove is pure. The dove is gentle. We know that the dove will tremble at the sight of the feather of a hawk. If that be the case, when sin knocks at our door, and sin is crouching at our door. And its desire is towards us. And we feel at ease. Because I'm used to it. I've gone through this many a time. Then we need to ask ourselves. What kind of spirit we have. Is it the Holy Spirit? Or any other kind of spirit? You have to answer that question. And when you do, you answer it to yourself. Praise God. Hallelujah. Listen what the writer of Hebrews says. The writer of Hebrews says, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet come to the point of shedding blood. Oops. Whoa. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet come to the point of 
shedding blood. Meaning, how far have you resisted sin? Praise God. And its approach and its allurement. The writer of Hebrews says the standard is to the point of shedding blood because Jesus, our Savior, who is our role model, he went to the point, to the extreme point, and the Bible says, yet he was without sin. Praise God. Hallelujah. The Bible says, he was without sin. He knew no sin and he committed no sin. Am I propagating sinless perfection here? No, that's not what I am propagating. What I am saying is if it is his spirit that indwells within me, if it is his spirit that indwells in each and every one of us, how in the world we will feel at ease with sin. What do you think? Do you think you can feel at home with sin? No, we cannot. Praise God. We cannot and we should not. Praise God. When we are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, when our hearts are not calloused and hardened anymore with the things of the world, when you have given control to the Spirit of God, as Paul uses that verb over and over, he says, being led by the Spirit of God, walking in the Spirit of God, praise God, You're walking in step with the Spirit, praise God, it all means that you are walking in His direction. You are walking in his guidance. You are being led and directed by him. And no, no, no. But the Holy Spirit would lead you into anything that is not pleasing to him. Praise God. Hallelujah. Do you know what does Bible propagate? The tolerance for sin according to the scripture is what? What is it? The tolerance for sin, according to the scripture, is zero. Zero tolerance for sin, according to the scripture. Praise God. Thank God that we are in grace. Being in grace does not mean, according to Paul, chapter Romans chapter 6, that we continue to indulge in sin. No, grace, 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 it should help us to understand that we are all the more obligated to the spirit, not to the flesh. We are obligated to God because of the grace that he has shown to us because of the grace that we experience in our lives all the more I am obligated to walk in the spirit to be in the step of the spirit to be led by the spirit and to be obedient to the spirit hallelujah praise God hallelujah hey so where does the Christian get the resources that he needs to have a victorious life because, hey, everything around us is imposing pressure in us. We already said this, you know, Satan from the infernal. 
The world on the external, the flesh on the internal. Satan from infernal, it empowers the world. The world on the external, it allures the flesh that is on the internal. In this relentless battle, God has put his spirit within us so that when we obey the spirit of God, we can go from victory to victory. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, the religious world will tell us if you have a winsome personality with your innate ability, with all the things of the world, your accolades and your accomplishments, you can live a victorious life. No, the Bible says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, say the Lord. Through the power of the spirit, Paul says, walk in obedience to the spirit so that you can, will not what? Gratify the desires of the flesh. Praise God. Hallelujah. Don't trust yourself, but trust him. Praise God. Yes. Listen to his voice. Discern his will and follow in his path. Praise God. Coming to the next part where Paul lists the list. And you see that he has not only list, listed the work of flesh, but he has also listed the fruit of the Spirit. What would you like to hear this morning? Would you like to hear about the works of the flesh or the fruit of the Spirit? Hello, church. Huh. What would you like to hear? Would you like to hear the fruit of the Spirit or the works of the flesh? Both. What's in a mood for, church? Huh? Well, if the Bible says both, we got to talk about both. In what order are we going to talk? What order? What order? Come on, church. Same order. Same order. Oh, my, my, my. <laughs> the same order. Okay, so let's go with the same order. Okay, so here Paul is talking about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. Okay, the works of the flesh. He lays down so many of them. Do you know how many of them are there? Go home and count it. 17 in Finney Joshua's Bible. In your Bible, take a look and let me know. Okay, how many fruits of the Spirit are there? Nine. Everybody knows that. Praise God. Because we are only concerned with the fruit of the Spirit. Who cares about the works of the flesh? But before we go into that, there are things that Paul says about the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. About the works of the flesh, he's saying it is, it is our effort on our end that is producing the work of the flesh. Praise God. Our old nature's efforts, efforts brings forth the works of the flesh. And Paul makes, he, he's talking about, He's bringing it to our attention that, number one, he calls it the works of the flesh. So it is what? Plural in nature. But while he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit, it is singular in nature. It is one but nine different graces of the fruit of the Spirit is being mentioned. Okay, so let's look at that. What, what, is, what is 
Paul saying about the works of the flesh. And this is how Worsby classifies it. He categorizes into three segments. And this is how he says it. He says, number one, he's talking about the sensual sin. Number two, he's talking about the superstitious sin. Number three, he talks about the social sins. Okay, under the sensual sins, we know there, there, are, there are so many of them given. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness. What else? Brother Finney, would you please read it out for us? Hmm. 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 Okay, under the sensual sins, we can put adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, and drunkenness. Revelry or partying. Huh? Sensual passions or sensual sins. Well, looking at those lists, we know that we don't fall in any one of them, right? Tell your neighbor, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I, this, this doesn't apply to me. Oh, when you're not saying, there's, there's a big doubt now. Praise God. Well, God wants us to live a life that is clean, pure, and holy. In our affections, in our passions, in every areas of our lives, whether it is public or private, whether you are out on the limelight or whether you are deep down inside in your chambers, in every phase of our life, God's, God wants His children to live a life that is holy and pleasing to Him. Praise God. The relationship between the husband and wife, the Bible lays down clear instruction. The Bible says marriage is honorable in all and marriage bed kept pure. Praise God. But the adulterers and the fornicators, God will judge them. Praise God. Your bed and your bedroom is an holy altar that is sanctioned by God to have an intimate relationship only exclusively with your covenant partner. Praise God. Hallelujah. And you should not allow the enemy to enter into that arena. Praise God. Let's move on. We know what fornication is. I don't want to go there. Uncleanness speaks of impurity of thoughts or life. Unclean person sees dirt in all things. How clean is our thoughts? How pure are they? The next one, Paul says is lasciviousness. It speaks of a wanton appetite that knows no shame. Literally doing things without a license. Well, we live in a world where people will say, Hey, who needs a marriage license? If we love each other, that's good enough. Well, that is not good enough according to the scripture. Drunkenness. You know what the Bible says? The drunkard shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Praise God. Revelry. Porting. Anything wrong in drinking, guys? Hello? Anything wrong in drinking? 
Anything wrong in drinking? Anything wrong in drinking? Anything wrong? What do you say? Well, it depends what you're drinking. It depends what you're drinking. Well, what if it is gin? Can, can any one of the guys say gin, gin is, is it clear? Huh? How does pastor know all these things? <laughs> uh -huh. Well, you don't have to drink to know it. You can look at it. You'll know it, right? Okay. The Bible says, drunkard shall not. How far are you from being drunk? From the first sip to getting drunk, how far are you? Yes, Christopher. Watch out, all the young people are looking at you now. Oh, he has, the brother has no idea. Daniel determined in his life that he will not defile himself. So that's where Christopher is. He says, I got no idea. Yes, anybody, how far are you from the first drink to getting drunk? Anybody? All it takes is the first sip. All right. Can I get somebody who has some experience in this field say something? Well, I don't want to test it and find out if I'm going to take one peg. That's what they call it, right? One peg. And we'll get drunk. Okay, but either way, the Bible says, no drunkard shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now, why am I saying this? I am only saying this because the Bible says so. And, you know, Paul goes to the extent, I was just looking at, Paul says, all those who do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And he says that, I have warned you about this in the past. So I looked, how many times has he warned us? And I found that Paul himself has given the list at least four times. He talks about it in Ephesians. He talks about it in Colossians. He talks about in, in Galatians. He talks about in Corinthians. And then finally, John talks about it in Revelation. All right, so anyway, I am not with any one of you guys who want to try it. But the Bible is very clear that the drunkard shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, superstitious sins. It talks about idolatry, placing anything, anyone, anything or anyone above God. In other words, priority becomes your house, your car, your relationship, your job, whatever it is. If it is about God, that becomes idolatry. Praise God. That in those cases, the Bible says you are danger in danger of being in idolatry. Witchcraft or sorcery, all those things are forbidden by the Bible. Okay, the next one is social sins. It holds uh, hatred, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, dissension, di divisions, envy, all these things. We are immune to all of this. Am I right? Hello? Bitterness. Anybody got bitterness? Anybody bitter? 
Hello, anybody bitter? Huh? How many of you have ever been bitter? Never, ever? I've been. Never? You guys are good. I'm glad. Praise the Lord. Okay, good. All right. Bitterness holding on to what? Ill feeling or showing feelings of intense animosity. Who is Paul writing these things to? He's writing this to the church. Hello? To the church. Praise God. Covetousness. The sin of wanting more. How many of you have experienced covetousness? Nobody? The sin of wanting more? No? My goodness. I know that every one of you will inherit the kingdom of God. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Man, that's good to know. Praise God. That there are not a single covetous person here. Praise God. Looking at somebody else's car. I want a car like that. I want a house like that. I want a mad race with the Joneses. No. Okay. All right. Good. Let's move on. If, you, if it is not applicable to you, well, why talk about it? Paul is saying, I am telling you again. It is so important. Paul, the pastor, wanted the churches that he established, the believers that he brought to grace, he wanted to make sure that they will reach the kingdom of God. That's why he says, I'm telling you again. I'm telling you again. You will say that's legalism. That's not legalism. That is a revelation. It reveals our relationship with Jesus Christ. If these things have taken a hold of our lives, that means somewhere down the road, the relationship with Christ has been severed. Praise God. Hallelujah. Those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. John is one step further. This is what John says. John says, those who sin, they are not born of God. Oh, my God. Can you believe that? He says, those who sin are not born of God. Well, he's talking about, what is the Bible talking about? It's not talking about a slip, a fall, a falter. The Bible is talking about habitual sin. The Bible is talking about the practice, the ongoing practice of sin, where you don't feel remorse, where you are not repentant, where you do not renounce, where you do not come back to be cleansed, telling, Lord, Lord, I have fallen. It's time for you to do a work within me. Praise God. What's our mindset? Once saved, always saved. Good. Praise God. Yes, you only need to be saved once. Praise God. But if there is, it is the question is, is there a divine nature within you? And the divine nature within you proves that's the evidence that you are saved. That doesn't mean that you might not have a slip in your life. But when you do slip, what is the mindset? Do you continue to roll in there? Or get up and say, Lord, cleanse me. Praise Hallelujah. Praise God. We ought to be wise. And take Paul's word for face value and say, Lord, forgive me, cleanse me, cause me to be full of spirit. 
lest I miss what you have in store for me. The remedy for such sin is confession and repentance. If we confess, as John says, 1-9, if we confess and repent, the promise of God's word is that Christ is faithful and just to forgive and purify us from all our unrighteousness. Praise God. What is the way out? Is there a way out? Yes. The old nature must be crucified. And Paul says in Romans, Paul says that in baptism every believer has identified himself with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus died for our sins. The penalty of sin was paid for. We have died with Christ and the power of sin has to be broken. But the presence of sin lingers around us. And as we yield ourselves to the Spirit of God, day after day, reckoning what Christ has done and believing that the old nature has been crucified with Jesus and not making provision for sins in our lives, feeding the Spirit man we can live a victorious life praise God the spirit of God is a spirit of life that gives us life in abundance and he gives us the strength and the power to overcome every forces of darkness every allurements that comes our way praise God that is the work of the flesh but you and I do not have to be subdued by the work of the flesh. Praise God. Now we want to move into the fruits of the Spirit. Praise God. The time is up. But I'm going to conclude. An old American Indian, Apachin, was having a conversation with a young American Indian. Who was having a conversation? An old Apachin, American Indian. What's the difference between an American Indian and an Indian American? Huh? What's the difference? Oh, one is from the east and one is from the west. Okay, all right, that's good. That's a good one. Good. So the Apachin was sitting by the fire and he was talking to the young man. And the young man was struggling with various kinds of addictions in his life. And he started talking to that older opportunity and said, to open his heart and he shared his struggle, the war that was being waged inside. And he said, I can't, I'm trying, but, but I can't. And the old opportunity looked at him and said, there is two forces that are at work within you. American Indian opportunity said, you know, there is a black dog in you and there is a white dog in you. Who said this? How many of you have a black dog and a white dog inside of you? I have a white dove inside of me. I don't know about you guys. I have a white dove. What do you got inside? Anyway, the boy was told that there is a black dog and there is a white dog inside of you. And the black dog or the dark dog, it represents evil. And the white dog, it represents uh, good. Okay, and these two forces are fighting. 
So the young man said, you know, it looks like the dark dog in me is strong. The opposite said, the dark dog in you is strong. That's why you're addicted and that's why you are falling day after day. What you got to do is, you got to make sure that the dark dog gets weak and the white dog in you gets stronger. The young man said, how am I going to do that? He said, it's very easy. This is what you got to do. The, the dog that you feed more is going to be stronger. So you got to feed what? You got to feed what? The white dog. If you feed the white dog, the white dog will be stronger and the dark dog will be weaker and starving. Man, something just lit up inside the young man. Did something light up inside you? Watch. You are already strong. Huh? It just dawned. Woo! What are you feeding? Are you feeding the flesh or are you feeding the spirit? What are you feeding? Are you feeding the flesh, the old nature, or are you feeding the spirit man? Is the spirit man inside of you starving and weak? Well, all you got to do is every day come to the table and feed yourself. What table? The Bible says, he called me to the banqueting table and the banner over me is love. Oh my, my. I'm not talking about your dining table. I am talking about the banqueting table that the Lord has prepared for every one of his believers. So every morning, whenever you get time, you feed on what? You feed on the word of God. You spend time with him. You saturate yourself with word. You clothe yourself with prayer and praise and spend time in worship you will see that the inner man in you becomes stronger and stronger and the old man the old nature in you will get weaker and weaker and thereby you crucify the desire of the flesh with its passions and desires and you live an overcoming life next week when you come you don't have to look all beat up head hanging down. No, you don't have to. Praise God. I'm not propagating salvation by works. What I'm propagating is we are saved by grace, but we need to continue to grow in the grace of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The inner man has to get stronger. Listen, we are not called to live a defeated life. We have been called to live a victorious life and it is possible when we lean on him and on his strength and tap into the resources of God. Next week, we'll come to the better part, the one that you likes, that you would like, that you would love. Yeah. We're going to talk about the fruit.
But before we talk about the fruit, we need to know how to get victory over this area so that we will become everything that God wants us to be. Praise God. You and I don't have to live a life of guilt, a life of defeat, a life that is paralyzed every day because of the assault of the enemy. No, you and I cannot get comfortable with sin because the spirit that indwells within us is a Holy Spirit which gives us the power. Paul writing to Timothy says, you and I have received what? A spirit of power, love, and sound mind. Praise God. If the spirit in me is a spirit of power, it will help me to overcome every odds. If the spirit in me is a spirit of love, I will love God and I will love everyone. If the spirit within me is a spirit of sound mind, it will enable me to discern the vices of the enemy and understand the virtues of Christ and help me to make the right decision. All I have to do is yield to him. All eyes closed. All eyes closed. Praise God. Who is winning the battle inside? With Christ in us, the hope of glory. With the Spirit indwelling us. Praise God. You and I are meant. We are born to be winners. I'm not a born loser. I'm a born winner. Christ has won the battle on the cross. I have to obey the Spirit. And walk in his path to continue to experience victory in my life. My Father, we thank you and we praise you this morning. We yield our lives to you, Father. We pray that the spirit man in us will wax stronger and stronger day after day. That we will go from power to power, to victory to victory, from grace to grace, from glory to glory, and become everything that you want us to be. We got help from the greatest power in the universe, the Holy Spirit. Help us to yield ourselves to him. May we experience the joy and victory that Christ has for us. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said...